0: Another whistleblower has come forward, this time with criminal allegations against not Hunter Biden, but against Joe Biden. Yes, criminal allegations against Joe Biden back when he was VP. This is a bombshell and an even bigger bombshell. The mainstream media is all over this scandal. Well, I mean, what is this? This is the third whistleblower here in the last few months. And we are seeing a pattern. Biden's own administration is now trying to sabotage him. Clearly, the Democrats are throwing Biden under the bus. And when did it begin? It began Right when he announced his presidency, the media is now throwing Biden under the bus. They're questioning his age. They're questioning his mental acuity. And ever since he announced he's running again, that is the Democrats' worst nightmare. Suddenly they are throwing him under the bus. I've got to believe that the Obamas are behind this. I think they want Michelle Obama to be the nominee. And we're going to continue to see more scandals. It's not going to be the Republicans, as a friend of mine said, not going to be the Republicans who take Biden down. It's going to be the Democrats. Uh, But according to this latest whistleblower, Joe, Joe Biden, the head of the Biden crime family, took bribes from a foreign national, and it appears that the FBI has been covering this up. So we will bring you all the details coming up. Eric Adams, Mayor Eric Adams, says it's racist for Governor Abbott of Texas to keep sending illegals into New York City. Where's the racism? He, Adams says that Abbott is specifically targeting cities whose mayors are black. (laughs) You cannot make this stuff up. He says New York City. Chicago, of course, Lori Lightfoot, Chicago with all those racist voters, Washington DC, all these cities, what do they have in common? Well, they're woke leftist cities, they have, they are sanctuary cities, but no, 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 Adam says the reason that Governor Jim Abbott is targeting those cities, busing the illegals to those cities, is because the mayors of those cities are black. Uh, It's unbelievable. And by the way, Mary, Eric, Adam, these cities are begging illegals. They're begging illegals to come in and trash their cities. They provide free luxury hotels, free food, free health care. And you don't even need to get vaccinated if you're an illegal. Anyone else? If you're a ten-year-old child in New York City who's there legally, you've got to wear a mask. Well, at least you did for a bunch of years, and you had to. You have to get you, uh, get a COVID vaccine to be in public school, or at least you did at one point. But uh, illegals, no mask, no COVID vaccine necessary. It's unbelievable. But but this is all racism. So we'll get to that coming up. Plus, President Trump is going to do a town hall on CNN. So CNN finally figured out how to boost their ratings. I mean, this town hall is going to be so much fun. Congressman Matt Gates, get this. This is stunning. Congressman Matt Gates, uh, is actually teaming up with Ocasio Cortez on a new piece of le- legislation. Yeah, that's not a typo. Matt Gates, the conservative, the pro-Trump congressman from Florida, teaming up with AOC. Uh, it's called the, or it's nicknamed the Pelosi Act. It's a great bill. And yes, Ocasio Cortez is actually write about something. This is very rare, but it can happen. And we will bring you all the details on that. Chris Christie has slammed Trump for threatening to skip the debates. We'll tell you about that. Israel says Iran right now has the capability to build five nuclear weapons right now. Okay. And if Israel is saying that publicly going on record, the Iranians probably have more like the supplies to build 50 nuclear weapons. The media has been slamming Justice Clarence Thomas for not disclosing gifts that he received from a wealthy Republican donor. Yet the same media, by the way, uh, Justice Thomas did nothing wrong. We'll get to this. But he broke no ethics rules, no violations at all, because everything that he did was totally, totally legal and ethical, as we'll explain. But the same mainstream media that's been slamming Thomas has ignored Justice Sonia Sotomayor, the leftist justice, and she did the exact same thing and even worse than Clarence Thomas, as we're going to explain. The media, of course, with the blatant double standard, obsessing over one story, completely burying the other. The COVID emergency has officially been declared over. The international COVID emergency, the WHO says, uh, the state of emergency, the pandemic is over. We, we knew that. We knew that. And meanwhile, CDC director Rochelle Walensky, says that she is resigning. All right, so back to Eric Adams. Eric Adams says that the reason that these illegals are being flocked to New York City, being bused to New York City by Governor Abbott by Ron DeSantis, is because DeSantis and Abbott they're such racists, and they know Eric Adams is black. They're thinking about this is what they're they're not thinking. Hey, we got to get these illegals. Out of our state because they're ruining our state. Where are we going to send them? Let's send them to a city that embraces them with open arms. They're thinking, well, what's the race? Let's see. Should we send them to New Orleans? Well, should we send them to Nashville, Tennessee? Should we send them to Sacramento? Well, let's send them to, let's find the cities with the, with the black mayors and let's send them there because we care about the race of the mayor because that's who we want to hurt. It's like unbelievable. And playing the race card. Oh, wait. How full of himself. Number one, Adams. How inflated is his ego? You think anybody's even noticing who the mayor is? We think in New York City, we think about the millions of people living in New York City. We don't think about, oh, the mayor, you know? And um if Adams, like this race card, it's so egregious, right? If Adams, like, shot somebody and you put him in jail or you arrest him, not that that would happen in New York City, of course, but somewhere else, he would say, you're doing this to me because I'm black. You're doing this to me because you're a racist. But... It's unbelievable how they always resort to the ra- to the racism and they have these hideous policies. And it's like if you disagree with them, then you're a racist. Right. Remember, if you voted against Obamacare, then you were a racist. If you and that that, that was actually true, that's actually fact. They accused you of racism for disagreeing on policy with Obama. That's the card they always pull. Uh, if you blast George Soros, a man who is pure evil, a man who has brought about so much havoc, so much chaos and anarchy, in the United States, if you blast Soros, you're an anti-Semite. Uh, Democrats, they make everything about race. And as a caller pointed out the other day, uh, talking about Eric Adams play, playing the race card here, they are the racist. The Democrats, I always say this, the Democrats are the real racists because they always make everything. They talk about how they don't care about race and they're colorblind, etc. And like any conversation, they cannot have a conversation Without bringing in race, focusing on it, obsessing over it, you know, you, you remember what what did Biden say? He said that poor kids are just as bright and just as talented as white kids. That that was like the thing that he blurted out. That was his Freudian slip. And I'll prove it to you. Do you think I care the color, the race of politicians that I support or that I oppose? As an example, right? I think Joe Biden is the worst president ever. Joe Biden is white. I think Bill de Blasio, white Bill de Blasio, was a horrible, horrible mayor for New York. Andrew Cuomo, Andrew Cuomo, I mean, he's a murderer. Andrew Cuomo is one of the most vicious low lives that I've ever seen in my life. Okay, he's white. Meanwhile, black Ben Carson, I view as an extremely successful person, a doctor who then ended up becoming a a high level uh, member of the Trump administration. Black Tim Scott, who's a senator. I think he'd be an extremely, extremely successful president. So I don't care one bit what color you are. And by the way, now Mayor Eric Adams, and this is really disgraceful, he is sending hundreds of illegals to Rockland County. Eric Adams is actually sending hundreds of illegals to Orangeburg, which is literally a few miles away from Muncie. It's literally like a 17-minute drive from the Muncie area. And that is obviously terrifying. And of course, and Orangeburg doesn't want them. Rockland County doesn't want these illegals. Ed Day, Rockland County executive, he's saying we've got to send them back. And he declared a state of emergency. But Adams is officially sending 340 illegals to a fancy hotel in Orangeburg. Adams says, listen, I'm going to pay for the first few weeks of the hotel stay. But then that's it. Then they're on their own. I'm not paying after that. Well, what do you think is going to happen? These these illegals, they're going to be kicked out of this hotel. They're not going to have any money. They're going to be homeless. And what do you expect to happen to the surrounding area? And people, of course, in Muncie and in Rockland County are furious at Adams. And think about this. Adams is a total hypocrite because here he's been ranting for all these weeks about Texas, right? He's been blasting Texas Governor Abbott, DeSantis, right? Saying, how dare you? Why are you sending illegals to New York City? Why am I stuck with them? Which, of course, New York City should be stuck with them. But he's been complaining and whining about that like a baby. And here he is literally doing the exact same thing to Rockland County. But there's one clear big difference here, which is that New York City is a sanctuary city where Adams is begging illegals to show up. He's offering them, like I said, fancy hotel rooms, he's offering them free food, free health care, so you come to New York City and they treat you like a king, where do you expect the governor to send them? If you would stop uh, embracing them with open arms, then maybe Governor Abbott wouldn't send them to you, or maybe then at least you'd have a strong case. But here, Rockland County says, we don't want them. Rockland County has no interest in these people, so that's a very, very uh, crucial, critical difference there. And, uh, Eric, I mean, by the way, can we accuse Eric Adams of being an anti Semite? He's, he's, he's choosing this area, you know, very lo- located very, very close to a heavily Jewish area. So, you know, the same way you're a racist if you send it to Eric Adams City because he's black. So this is anti Semitism. All right. So President Trump is going to be doing a town hall on CNN this week, this Wednesday. So CNN finally figured out why their ratings are so bad because They don't have Trump. They don't talk about Trump nearly as much as they used to. Trump always said it. He said, I'm the best thing that ever happened to CNN and MSNBC because their ratings went off the chart. Now their ratings were never as high as, let's say, Fox News. Um, but, but, uh, but MSNBC, CNN, their, their ratings were much higher compared to themselves. They were much higher during the year, during the Trump years than they were before or after, which is pretty interesting. And by the way, MSNBC is, having a meltdown over this, They're, you know, this how dare CNN is going to broadcast disinformation. And of course, you know, the, the, these these media outlets, the mainstream media, CNN, MSNBC, NBC, ABC, CBS, they think they could just dictate, you know, that ABC actually interviewed RFK Jr. RFK Jr. is running against Biden in the Democrat primary. But RFK Jr., he's a big, big anti-vaxxer. And ABC just censored him, and they said, "All right, we're not going to air certain parts of this because we decided that it's disinformation." But here's what's amazing is CNN. You, I can almost imagine like the meeting that they had, you know, but deciding whether or not to have this Trump um, town hall, and they're saying to themselves, "Well, our rating and, and CNN's ratings are abysmal, abysmally low, worse than they have been possibly ever or in many, many, many years, especially their primetime ratings." And why are our ratings so low, guys? Oh, yeah, that's because we're not talking about Trump. I mean, it's just so boring. We're just talking about Biden and Biden's a disaster and nobody cares. Nobody wants to hear anything about this. So they literally are putting Trump on this town hall. And I guarantee you, the ratings are going to be off the charts. And think about how much fun it's going to be. I mean, break out the popcorn. I cannot wait for this. And again, CNN, they're going to have a typical CNN audience. You know that they're going to load up the audience with people who are anti-Trump and with a bunch of liberals and a bunch of woke leftists and it's going to be you know about gender and about COVID and vaccines. I am, have to imagine that they're going to really try to be very provocative here and compelling and 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 try to ask Trump all these very controversial questions and Trump He's going to soak it up. He loves it. Trump sits there and he relishes it. He relishes sitting there, taking these questions, being challenged, fighting back. He has his finger on the pulse. He has a great grasp of all these issues. So I think this could be phenomenally entertaining, informative, too, obviously. But the point is, Trump is willing to take questions. Remember, he would always call on Jim Acosta, Okay, unlike Biden. Biden, they shield Biden from... Even the mainstream media, even reporters who ask him softball questions, you know, who ask him what he ate for breakfast that morning. Biden has difficulty remembering what he ate for breakfast that morning. So Biden doesn't take questions from anybody, but not just Biden. Kamala Harris is always scripted all these Democrats and even a lot of Republicans. Let's be honest. uh, They're afraid to take questions from any reporter who's actually going to challenge them because they don't have any good answers. Well, why is Trump different? I'll tell you why I think the real reason that Trump is different. He has no problem taking questions from anybody. And that's why he's going on CNN. Biden in a million years would not go on Fox News and do a town hall on Fox News. But it's not just Biden. Kamala would never do a town hall on Fox News. Hillary Clinton would never do a town hall on Fox News. Bernie Sanders would. Bernie Sanders did do a town hall on Fox News. And in that sense, Bernie and Trump are very similar in that one sense, that they're willing to engage with anybody. They're such believers in their call. Co- I'll tell you why. Because these other politicians... They're they're full. They're full of fluff. Okay, these other politicians, they're so phony, so pretentious. Everything is scripted. So they don't say the answer because it's the truth. They don't tell you what they really feel. What they do is they take a bunch of polls and then they have their strategists come up with what they think. Okay, they're told what they should say they think. So it's totally fake. These other politicians are totally fake. So it's got to be scripted. So they're never going to take the chance of going on a town hall with people who oppose them, you know, a town hall with the uh, with, with with the network, let's say a Democrat, you know, go on a Fox town hall, Kamala or Hillary, because then it's unscripted. And then they're actually going to get real tough questions and they don't have any answers because everything is already pre-scripted. It's got to it, it's got to go through the filter and it's got to go through the screening process as a, so. So the so the questions have to be softballs or they have to be um Prepared in advance and and they have to be vetted in advance by their own people. You understand? As opposed to Trump. Trump, he literally believes every word that he says. He's literally willing. He tells the truth. He tells it like it is. He says transparent as can be. So you can ask him anything. It doesn't matter because he will tell you. The truth. He's not telling you something based on the polls or based on what his strategists say is going to be the most popular thing. He'll say it as unpopular as it could be if he believes it. He'll say it as we know, and that's on the one hand why he gets himself in trouble. On the other hand, that's why he has so many millions of people who literally adore him, you know, and uh, and appreciate that, appreciate his honesty, appreciate how transparent and how you know how truthful he really is. So this is going to be very uh, entertaining, and you know, okay. So we're going to have to wait and see. Obviously. You know, once that happens, the uh, CNN Trump town hall, you know, we'll go over it. I don't know if we'll pull out some clips or we'll just kind of give you our recap of it. But again, really looking forward to that. All right. So let's get to these this new bombshell, the whistleblower allegations against Biden. And this actually came from Congressman James Comer and Republican uh, Senator Chuck Grassley, who both say both have confirmed that they were informed by a whistleblower. That the FBI and the DOJ have a document, okay? And it all comes down to this document. So this is fascinating because the whistleblower says that I'm aware of this document. The whistleblower, I have to believe the whistleblower works at the FBI, but the whistleblower says there's a document. And if you get your hands on that document, you're gonna see these stunning, these bombshell allegations against Biden, which is that Biden took bribes from a foreign national. So these are, this is like a real serious crime. I mean, this is an impeachable offense for sure. Again, allegedly, if it's true, then it's an impeachable crime. So here's the details. They say that the FBI is in possession of a document which describes, and I'm going to explain what this document is all about, but it describes a criminal scheme involving Biden and a foreign national. Again, this is when Biden, back when he was VP, and this document, by the way, is unclassified, so it's not like they need to declassify this document. This is a regular memo that the FBI keeps—an information memo. I'll explain an, an, an informative memo. So this document has never been classified. It's not a classified document. So the FBI, DOJ should have no excuses, no problem turning it over, and it's been subpoenaed. Okay, Comer, who's uh, what are they, the House Oversight Committee? I mean, he's the chairman of one of these House committees. He's a Republican, obviously, very, very, very anti-Biden. And, you know, he's really trying to get to the bottom of the Hunter Biden and the Biden crime family scandals. And I think he's going to do a great job. Very tough guy. So he subpoenaed this already from the FBI. And there is no reason in terms of classification and, you know, in terms of revealing any sort of classified information that's not going to be or any sensitive intel that's not going to be relevant here at all, which is huge. So the scheme involved the transfer of money in exchange for policy decisions. So these are, I mean, this this is an, these are incredible, these are earth shattering allegations here, if they're true. And and, and would it surprise any of us? I mean, Biden, we know how corrupt he is. We know how dirty he is. And, you know, we know that he has this cozy relationship with our enemies, with China, you know, with so many other countries. So, uh, you know, with Russia, of course. So none of this would surprise me one bit. In fact, I'd be surprised if this wasn't true. But again, Th- there's supposedly a document that alleges uh, a scheme that between Biden and a foreign national and that scheme involved the transfer of money to Biden in exchange for policy decisions. I mean, that is like flat out bribery. That, that's like that's so, that, if, if, if true, that means that Biden is guilty of so many crimes. The documents include a precise description of how the crime scheme was executed and the purpose of it. And again, according – this letter now, uh, these Republicans, Grassley and Comer, they actually wrote a letter to the DOJ, to the FBI, to FBI Director Christopher Ray, and to A.G. Merrick Garland. They're saying, we want this document. You must turn over this document. Okay? So there's a lot of scandalous details here. Um, so the subpoena – the document is called the FD-1023 form. This form is called an FD-1023 form. It's an FBI form. So they literally have subpoenaed – Comer subpoenaed. Any FD-1023 form in in the possession of the FBI that contains the term Biden. So this is unreal because, again, this subpoena, legally speaking, the FBI is going to have to turn this over. Now, are they actually going to do it? We know. We remember Rod Rosenstein. Remember all Eric Holder with Fast and Furious. There's so many times where the FBI and the DOJ refused a subpoena, defied a congressional subpoena. And it's very hard to force their hand. So, but again, this FD-1023, it's a document that the FBI uses to record meetings or information that's gathered from informants, from con- from secret informants, from confidential informants. So this is stunning. Okay, this FD-1023 have this whistleblower saying, "Listen, I know for a fact this FD-1023 exists. This FD-1023 shows this details this criminal scheme where Biden's taking money from a foreign national in return for making policy decisions as VP. I mean this is just unreal. This is like surreal and they're saying that it has all sorts of details in the document in terms of what the actual transaction, what you know, how they conducted the transaction and more importantly, what was the purpose? Like what was the policy decision? probably also who the foreign national was. So this FT-1023 would be a record, basically, if this informant comes to the FBI and says, hey, I've got information here about Biden and about this bribery scheme. So the F D 1023 that's where they take all these notes. That's where they record all this information. So I'm willing to bet you this document exists. I don't believe this whistleblower just make, made it up. I'm sure he's seen it. Clearly, Comer and Grassley believe that it exists. So how on earth is Merrick Garland? How on earth is, earth is Christopher Ray? Christopher Ray, who I'll remind you was appointed by Trump after Trump fired James Comey, he appointed Christopher Ray. Not that Christopher Ray has been a friend of Trump's at all, uh, or a friend of the Republicans for that matter. I mean, he's he's an establishment swamp dweller if I've ever seen one. But how could they possibly justify not complying with the subpoena? Now the Republicans better not wimp out over here, cave in. Okay, Comer, Grassley, they've got to put enormous pressure. They've got to hold Garland in contempt of Congress, Christopher Wray in contempt of Congress. I mean, they put Steve Bannon in jail, right? Or, or at least Steve Bannon was sentenced to jail. I don't know if he's in jail or he's, on, or, or he's out right now on appeal. I believe he's a free man. But remember, he was held to contempt of Congress because he refused to comply with the subpoena. They wanted him to testify in reference to January 6th, January 6th committee. And um, Steve Bannon said, no way. And he was prosecuted and he was found guilty and convicted and sentenced to prison time. OK, but that never happens to the Democrats. Many, many Democrats have been held to contempt of Congress, including Eric Holder, who was Obama's AG. And uh, never and of course, he was never charged with anything, never convicted. So it never happens to Democrats, only to Republicans. But we'll have to wait and see. This is, again, huge bombshell. All right. So a horrific incident took place last week on a New York City subway. And as much as I do not enjoy talking about these types of Incidents, I simply have no choice. I have to address it. I have to at least mention it. You may have heard about this already. And essentially, uh, a man was killed. There was this man who was mentally ill. Okay. This man was, it seems, psychotic, but at the very least, this person, he was homeless. He would apparently hang out on the subway. Every, you know, a lot of subway riders, commuters actually knew him. They were aware of him. He's been doing it for years. And I guess he would dance or he would impersonate celebrities and he would do things. And I guess people would give him money, but he was also crazy, okay? He was mentally ill, which is very sad, and the whole story is very tragic because it's tragic that he lost his life, <clears throat> and it's certainly heartbreaking that he lost his life, and you wish that it had not happened, obviously, so it's unspeakable. It's 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 a real, real tragedy, but the issue is that somebody uh, caused him to die by putting him in a chokehold, and that's really the part here that's so devastating and so and so tragic, and now the question is going to be, there are protests now, or there have been threatened to have protests. It was a white man, a former Marine, who put this man, this homeless person, who, the victim who died, <clears throat> put him in this chokehold, and that, it seems, caused, brought about the death, because he died, you know, while he was basically in this chokehold. Again, I don't like discussing these types of very, very tragic, gory stories, and I apologize, but the question now becomes, so again, he was apparently dist- he was very disruptive, okay? so this this mentally ill homeless person who well, and I got to point out, the victim was black, and and I'm calling him a victim, you know, just for simplicity's sake. I don't remember James Neely. I don't, I don't remember his name, but um, it was a former marine who was white. Who put him in a chokehold? And by the way, we would not be hearing about this story from the mainstream media if it was the other if it were the other way around. If the if the whole, I'm just, that's just a fact. I'm not trying to politicize this tragedy, but uh, if the homeless person who was killed was white and the person who killed him was black, then this would be a non-story. The reason it has blown up into such a big story, and maybe it should be a big story in either direction. But I'm just saying we know how the media operates here. So they're trying to, of course, turn this into a race issue, like we alluded to earlier. They turn everything into being about race. But, so, here's the thing. Again, this person was disrupting the train, disrupting passengers. Was he a threat? Was he dangerous? That's up for discussion. That's up for debate. Nobody seems to know. But there's a video, and the video, you know, it's, see, and the video starts when I guess he's ready in the chokehold, but it, but it seems everybody agrees that he was being very disruptive on the train. Now, being disruptive, obviously, doesn't warrant doing what was done to him, but the question was, was he a threat, okay? But either way, so, this Marine, ex-Marine, put him in this chokehold, and then, tragically, uh he perished uh within a few minutes due to this chokehold. I guess the chokehold is not supposed I guess it cuts off some supply of oxygen. It does not seem like there was an intent here to kill. That does not seem to be the case. It seems the intent was just to basically subdue him with the chokehold and it seems that that's not an uncommon uh practice, you know, that's not an uncommon tactic when somebody needs to be subdued. So again, he's disruptive, he's running over yelling at at, at subway riders and this uh, ex-Marine decides to put him in this chokehold because decides he needs to be subdued because, again, was he a threat? Was he dangerous? <clears throat> was he just disruptive? That part is not clear. Okay, that part is very, very much, um, you know, ambiguous and vague at this point, and has not been, you know, it's inconclusive. But here's my point, couple of points. Number one, like I said, it's heartbreaking. It's tragic. You wish that it had never happened. It's a very, very sad story. And there's no other way to put it, okay? It's unspeakably tragic. A person lost his life. You wish that it did not have to happen, okay? And maybe it didn't have to happen. Number two, everyone's taking sides, right? Some people are saying, you got to prosecute this man. Right now, this man's a free man. From what I understand, he's not been charged with a crime. So you got some people saying, how can you not charge him with a crime? Look, he murdered somebody. You've got to put him in jail. Then you have the other side saying, look, there's this homeless person, a mentally ill person. It's very, very sad. Nobody's excusing what took place. It's heartbreaking it's tragic but th- 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 this person did nothing wrong. this person was just doing this with self defense whether he was defending himself, whether he was defending the other riders on the train, but he was trying to subdue this man who was disrupting and and who was you know who was who who was scaring people, basically frightening people so those are your two sides and and what I say very simply is you cannot take sides it's not fair to take sides because we don't know the facts and and here's what I mean to me it, it's very simple and and Maybe I'm oversimplifying it, but I don't think so. If this person – you never want a person to lose their lives. But if a person is threatening others, if he's threatening harm to others, then you have every right to do whatever it takes to subdue him. Just an extreme example, if somebody's holding a gun and going brandishing a gun and putting it up in people's faces, you don't have time to check whether it's loaded or not or whether he's actually going to shoot it. You have a right to subdue him if you subdue him with a chokehold. That works. If that's not enough and you need to kill him, then you kill him because he is threatening to kill others and to hurt others. So therefore, you have every right to kill him. So there's no question that if somebody is a threat to others, then you need to do whatever it takes. And a chokehold is probably the best option because it should not usually, in most circumstances, if it's done right, it should not be deadly. So if this person's a threat, then the Marine had every right to do what he did. If this person's not a threat, if he's just annoying people, disrupting people, disturbing people, yelling and going up in people's faces, but nobody actually considered him an actual threat, an actual danger, then you have no right. To put him in a chokehold, why are you putting him in a chokehold if he's not if he's not a danger? Now, I have this funny suspicion. I, I don't know. I have no idea it was not there. I would imagine that it was—people were afraid. I would imagine that it was a threatening situation. But to me, that's the bottom line. That's the point, is it's a very simple—you um, know, the parameters here are very straightforward. If he was a threat, if people were frightened, if people thought they were in danger, then this person should not be charged with a crime— if this person was not threatening anybody, if he was just scary, I guess not scaring, but annoying people or disrupting, then maybe this Marine should be charged with the crime. That's how I look at this. But then there's a whole other point here, and I think this is the real main point, which is that ultimately this is the responsibility of Eric Adams. This is New York City, the New York City government, which has been a total failure, okay, the leadership in New York City or lack thereof. Because of Alvin Bragg, because of the lack of police presence in the subway, because crime is out of control. Okay, and apparently the subway system right now is as bad as it's ever been with just crazies walking around all over the place. And that has created a system of vigilante justice where people feel like they need to take matters into their own hands because there is no police, because there is no law enforcement, because these people, even if they are arrested, they end up back back on the train a few days later. They end up back walking free. Let out of jail within a day, within two days, within an hour sometimes. So that it, it's a total disaster. So there's this literally a system where people feel like they're not going to get any help from the cops. They're not going to get any help from um, prosecutors. So they need to take matters into their hands. doesn't mean you kill somebody, but it means, yeah, I've got to put them in this chokehold. I've got to protect others because they're not going to be protected by the cops. So this 100% leadership in New York City is non-existent. And so people, they see some – so so now the culture is a culture of lawlessness, and that's what we're going to see. We're going to see people taking matters into their own hands saying, listen, I've got to protect the subway because if I don't, nobody else will. And I have no doubt that this person, this Marine, was well-intended. I have no doubt that he had very sincere intentions. So you know, there's somebody – I forgot who – somebody made a comment. He said that – the New York City subway system right now has become one big psychiatric ward. So that, to me, is the really the underlying issue over here. Whatever the circumstances in this particular case, none of us know that. Okay, maybe it'll eventually come out. You know, maybe it won't. But we have no idea. But what we do know is that it. it this is because of Adams. This is because of the lack of police presence and the lack of prosecuting these people. So, and by the way, if you've ever been. Uh, In this kind of situation, you know, and uh, I lived in the five boroughs for a long time, okay? I got out of the five boroughs three years ago, a little more than three years ago, and, you know, best move that I ever made, but, you know, and I didn't take the subway much, I will tell you that, but I was around homeless people. You did see a lot of homeless people, and it's a very, very scary a lot of times they're mentally ill, and yeah, they will be very scary, they will threaten you and I don't know if they intend to threaten you or not, but they come off as being very threatening and they'll you know they'll make all sorts of you know they'll seem to be like almost verbally assaulting you, and again, it comes from a mental illness, I get that, and probably it's not even malicious a lot of times, but you're scared you're scared for your life very often you could be scared for your life all right um bombshell story, Matt Gates and Ocasio Cortez teaming up to introduce the Pelosi Act, at least that's the nickname. And this would ban members of Congress from trading stocks. This is a no brainer. And so many of we know Pelosi, her lucky streak, right? The Pelosi, they're so lucky. Just incredible how they always manage to trade stocks right before some major event is going to happen that involves the government. And I guess we, you know, maybe Pelosi has inside information, nah, but it's probably just luck, right? So, and Pelosi, of course, has refused – when she was uh, House Speaker for years, she refused to ban members of Congress. She refused to even put this forth for a vote, a legislation that would um, ban members of Congress from uh, trading stocks. Well, Ocasio and Matt Gates say you can't have this. I mean you cannot have members of Congress. There is such a massive conflict of interest there. And by the way, it just happened a few days ago, Dan Goldman, Dan Goldman is actually the congressman who represents Borough Park and other parts of Brooklyn, and I think parts of Manhattan also, and just a couple of days before PacWest Bank Corp tanked, its stock tanked from the mid-20s to the $2 range in just 48 hours, well, just days before that happened, was the stock tanked just days before the stock tanked, Congressman Dan Goldman, who, by the way, was the lead counsel in the Trump impeachment uh, he sold his shares in that bank, okay, in PacWest Bank Corp. So he um avoided a massive loss. Is that a coincidence? Um So Ocasio-Matt Gates say, we've got to ban members of Congress from trading stocks. The legislation is called the Restoring Faith in Government Act, but again, they're dubbing it the Pelosi Act. It would ban members of Congress and their spouses and dependents from making financial investments. Gates told Fox News, AOC is wrong a lot, and she would probably say the same thing about me, but she's not corrupt and I'll work with anyone to ensure that congress is not so compromised. A 63% majority of registered voters support a ban on stock trading for members of congress according to a morning consult poll back in 2022. 69% of democrats, 64% of independents, 56% of or 58% of republicans. At least 113 members of congress or their families disclo- disclosed stock transactions in 2021 totaling $355 million, 113 members of Congress, stock trades totaling $355 million. That's a lot of money. If you just took a random sampling of Americans, 113 people, and asked them how how many millions of dollars total um, they traded in stocks, I don't think it would be anywhere close to $355 million. Chris Christie slammed President Trump for threatening to avoid... Trump is so right. It is... He is so right to threaten to avoid the, the debates. He'll get much better ratings on his own and he won't have to sit there. Imagine if there's a 10 people on the stage. Trump will like get like seven minutes or nine minutes. You, you know, it's like... It's ridiculous when there's so many people on the stage. Nobody ever gets to talk and Trump's the former president. I mean, he should not just be treated like any other candidate even if his polls weren't in the 50 and 60% range, which it is. Even if he wasn't like 30 points... Um, Above his nearest uh, competitor, even if all that weren't true, he should get the deference just because he's former president. Now, here's what Christie said. And again, to me, it's disgraceful the way Christie has turned on Trump. Quote, I'm sorry to see that Donald Trump feels like if he gets on the stage, he's at risk of losing his lead. If, in fact, his ideas are so great, if his leadership is so outstanding, his lead will only increase if he gets on the stage, not decrease. But obviously, he's afraid. He's afraid to get on the stage against people who are serious. And I'm sorry to see that he's that afraid. All he wants to do is go back and re-prosecute the 2020 election because his feelings are hurt. He's a child in that regard. And quote. That's Chris Christie. It's just, it's inexcusable that Chris Christie is acting this way. You know, I understand every time he gets a chance to bash Trump about January 6th and about the 2020 election being stolen, Christie does it. He throws Trump under the bus. I get it. But to act as though Trump has no reason, well, he's, he's like taunting Trump. What's Trump afraid of? Trump's worried, you know, if his ideas are so great, then the debates gonna help him not hurt him. I mean, Trump has shown himself to be a masterful debater. That's not the issue. The issue is, like I said, number one, he's polling so far higher than any of the other candidates. DeSantis is the only one who's even within 30 points. Every other candidate is literally 50 or 60 points behind Trump. And you're going to put him on a stage with eight other candidates, all a bunch of weak, no-name candidates, people who have no shot, who are just trying to get into the limelight, just trying to take a jab at Trump. And where do you draw the line? Where does Christie draw the line? Let me ask you this. Um, should Trump debate 50 candidates? If, if, if you think he should debate nine other candidates, okay, none of whom deserve to be on that stage or have earned their place on that stage except DeSantis. Um, should, and maybe Pence, because Pence was VP, so give him the deference, right? But should Trump debate 40 candidates? It's, you know how demeaning it is? Trump to be on a stage with eight other candidates, right? When he's polling 50-60%. The others are barely hovering at 1%. Okay. So it's not that Trump is afraid of what they'll say. It's not that Trump is afraid of being made to look bad. That's not the issue. But it would be terrible for the image of a former president and somebody who's polling light years ahead of these others to be on there, to be up there on the same stage. Make two debates. Have it be Trump and DeSantis one night and then the other 10 candidates the other night. I'm fine with that. You want to add Nikki Haley into the mix because she's at 5%. You had Trump at like 55%. You have DeSantis at like, 23, and then Nikki Haley's got 5%. So put, put the three of them on the stage. So once again, disagree with uh, Chris Christie over here. And if Trump does a town hall or a rally um, at the same time that the Republican debate is being held, Trump, he'll get like three, four times as many viewers as that debate. I have no doubt about that. All right. Israel says Iran has enough uranium to build five nuclear weapons. Uh, Defense Minister Yoav Galant, he met with the Defense Minister of Greece last week. He said Iran has amassed enough fissile material for five nuclear bombs. And uh, he said, quote, make no, no, he threatened Iran too, by the way, but he said, make no, no mistake, Iran will not be satisfied by a single, single nuclear bomb. So far, Iran has gained material enriched to 20 and 60 percent for five nuclear bombs. And he said, quote, Iranian progress and enrichment to 90 percent would be a grave mistake on the part of Iran and could ignite the region. And I'm sure he measured those words very carefully. And finally, um, Sotomayor, Sonia Sotomayor, um, massive conflict of interest. The media is ignoring it. Uh, Sonia Sotomayor, uh, Justice of the Supreme Court. She received over $3 million from Penguin Random House to write her memoir. Okay. However, she did not recuse herself from cases involving the book publishing company. So she received... I believe $3.6 million from Random House, from Penguin Random House, the publisher, to write her memoir. And yet cases came before the Supreme Court um, involving Penguin Random House that paid her millions of dollars. She did not recuse herself. Uh, There was a case, Aaron Greenspan versus Random House. It reached the Supreme Court and was denied a hearing um, starting in 2017, continuing through 2021. Sotomayor received yearly payments amounting to about $500,000 a year. Total $3.6 million that she participated in cases involving the publishing company that came up, came before the court after she started receiving that money. Massive conflict of interest. By the way, it's not unethical. Now, maybe they should rewrite the laws. Maybe there should be some kind of reform. But right now, and, and I think lower courts have different rules, but right now, it is totally, totally not an ethical violation. There's nothing at all wrong with Sotomayor doing that. Um just as Clarence Thomas accepted vacations from Republican megadonor Harlan Crow. And according to a recent report, Crow also paid for Thomas's great nephew to attend a private school, big deal. But um the media is obsessed with that story. So Clarence Thomas, I don't think anybody even cares. of my are, that raises eyebrows, three point six million dollars. Um and then that actual case came before the court, where with Clarence Thomas, it, it's it's now it's nowhere even close to that. It's not like Clarence Thomas ever ruled on any Uh, on any uh, court case involving Harlan Crow, What Sotomayor did is clearly so much worse than what Thomas did. Again, neither one of them are breaking any rules from what I understand. But, of course, the media is obsessed with Clarence Thomas because he's a conservative. Now, how come they're not racist? Because Clarence Thomas is black. All right, that's going to do it for today. And we will see you next time.